Hello everyone, it's Friday the 16th of October and welcome to episode 27 of the Kite Podcast 2020 with me, Will Evans. And me, Ben Eagle. Now it's not news to say that 2020 has profoundly changed the ways that we shop, the ways we socialise and even consume food. As we've explored in previous episodes, the ways in which we buy dairy products has been no exception to this. One particular aspect of trade which saw growth during the lockdown was in the customer base of the traditional milkmen. According to data from Cantor, the number of people using a traditional milk home delivery service rose from 527,000 to 716,000 between April and August. Interestingly, this growth was particularly driven by younger people and families, building on the traditional base of older customers. To discuss all this and more, we're thrilled today to be joined by Patrick Muller, who was until recently the CEO of Muller Milk and Ingredients and now leads Muller's Milk and More, Kite's managing partner, John Allen, and as always, everybody's favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Walkland. Chris, uh, let's start with you. Now, I was convinced that you were going to be dressed up as Ernie, the fastest milkman in the West today. <laughs> but this is disappointing. I see you're not. So where are you this week? Well, I'm all at sea with my report this week, even more than I am normally, and that's a lot. And as befits a podcast on milkmen and milk ladies, of course, and milk floats, I'm delivering it from a Swiss Navy gunboat while eating this marvellous Swiss-made Toblerone for breakfast. (laughs) And there's no point in asking me why I'm delivering it from a Swiss gunboat, because you'll never guess in a million years, will they, Dr. Patrick? Or should I say almost admiral, Dr. Patrick? Because... We have a former member of the Swiss Navy with us as our guest. Isn't that right, Dr. Admiral? <laughs> Absolutely. As a landlocked country, Switzerland, it's really important to have a Navy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's great research, Chris. <laughs> Apparently, Switzerland has some ships bedecked, of course, with Swiss army knives, cuckoo clocks and Toblerones. So at one time... Dr. Patrick's career could have been floating on the ocean waves instead of making waves with milk floats. And he could have been a Navy SEAL, no less, instead of sealing up holes in leaky balance sheets as the boss of Miller. (laughs) And utterly, I have to say, utterly transforming milk and more from an I'll say if nobody else does, a complete dog of a business under Dairy Crest was the worst IT in the history of IT into the business it is today. So I'm intrigued, Dr. Patrick, as to how and why a man who hails from one of the most logical and precise countries on earth, whose family business is making boilers apparently, and he gave up an action man job in the military to come and work for a German company and fell in love with our milkman. But first my market report gets in the way of all the interesting stuff. So what's been happening? Well, the market has inched up again, but inch is the operative word. In Europe, land, butter and skim milk powder are up by about a tenner. So sod all. Butter is still very flat and boring and the same as it was around 3,350 euros, 3,100 sterling. And there's still little trading being done. But there are some positives. Less butter is being made. Uh, there's been a very positive GDT for butter. Uh, there's sod oil butter being made in Ireland and there's rising futures prices and potentially lower milk volumes in Europe. But there are some negatives, too. 
and there's quite a bit of stock kicking around. And there's some absolutely gobsmacking news on the butterfront in that the makers of flora margarine are apparently putting buttermilk back into its buttery tasting version of flora because consumers say it tastes crap without it. Apparently, they can't mirror the fabulous taste of butter without using butter. And another <laughs> shock news this week, scientists have also confirmed that bears do indeed poo in the woods. <laughs> the futures are also up as well. Butterfine encouraging 100 euros over two weeks. Skim milk powder's up a bit too. And the combination doesn't quite put 28 pence farm gate price on the uh, on the futures board before a processor margin. But it's there for quarter one in New Zealand. And as we know, Fonterra has increased its forecast price this week. So another positive there. Cream, unfortunately, is down from 160s to the low mid 150s at best. And alas, even below 150 for next week, I hear. And that, I'm afraid, is to do with reduced demand on the continent, plus a certain German liquid milk company losing a bit of Vorsprung Dort Watzit in its factories recently with breakdowns and maintenance. It's having to offload more cream than normal onto the market with a negative effect on prices. But when you've done your podcast, Dr. Patrick, you need to get back there with your spanners and help Rob fix the problems. Apparently, he's a brilliant engineer, just not brilliant enough to stop his pesky machines breaking down right now. Spot milk has dipped a touch. It's just probably the wrong side of the 30p. Uh, it's going the wrong way, but nothing major to worry about at the moment. But we need to watch those milk volumes. Uh, September's volumes in the UK were high. Europe may be a bit lower than expected in Europe. Cheese is in the UK, similar to what it was, a bit stronger in Europe. So that's another plus. So that's me done. Now to almost Admiral Dr. Patrick. We're so glad you're here and not on a ship or a submarine somewhere. The industry wouldn't be the same without you. So I'm going to sit back and enjoy your story while tucking into this fine but ridiculously shaped bar of chocolate. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Now, I suspect there might have been a small element of never let the fact true in a good story there from Chris this morning. Uh, Patrick, can you tell us the real story, please? <laughs> well, what an introduction. Thank you very much, Chris. It's actually true. Switzerland has 11 boats. They had used to have 12, one sank. Um, three quarters of the border of Switzerland is our, our, our lakes. So uh, we at one point and 30 years ago, they thought it's good to, to protect them. And I had the pleasure to be really a member of the Swiss Navy. It's 30 people every two years that, oh. they, uh, wow. <laughs> that they give the opportunity to do that. It was wow. a fun time. So I spent one okay. year um, on, on the lakes of Switzerland. And I also did my, you know, Switzerland has a three language zone. So I did my... Uh, my service in the French part of Switzerland, which was also good for my French. So, uh, but I'm glad to be back in in, in Derry. And uh, <laughs> was, I always wanted to to you know either have my own business or be have at least a business that has my name. And I'm not part of the Müller family, so that's why I stuck with Müller because uh, uh, you know it's 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 at least it has my name. But uh, I'm glad to be uh, to be in Derry again. Yeah. 
Okay, fantastic. Um, John, let's bring you in. Uh, Ben alluded to some figures in the introduction from Kantar, which suggested a significant growth in the number of people buying milk from the traditional milkman during lockdown. Uh, Can you summarise this for us, please? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, great to have you here, Patrick, and especially with a good news story. And I'm going to drop Becky in it. I, she didn't know, but her husband is all also a milkman. There you ah, are. Wow, yeah. very good. <laughs> Ho- hopefully for a milk and more. <laughs> now this is awkward, John. <laughs> he's, he's your traditional milkman up in up in Yorkshire, so uh, so you'll be able to. So Becky will be able to give it from one end, and and Patrick will be able to share it from the other. So it's a great story, and it's a great news, good news story to have on because a forty percent lift, and I think sales were starting to go up before. Uh, COVID and uh, that's what I want to hear from uh, Patrick in terms of what's driving it because this isn't a, a a business in terms of growing on the back of old people I think this is a business that's growing on other market segments and it's growing with environmental it's not just convenience I think it was growing for environmental reasons so it's it's really good news when you see what we saw with the liquid market in the UK that's been devalued over the last 20-30 years and to actually get added value back into the industry with dairy. I mean, just just take a think about this. Four pints delivered to your doorstep is three pounds, three pounds thirty. You know, in your store, one pound ten. So it's three times the value that you deliver. Now, I know there's a big cost there, Patrick, and you've got to have a profit. So everybody's got to win in this. But it's great to see how consumers will pay for milk. So I want to hear more. Mm-hmm. Patrick, before we go into any more detail on that, um, can you explain a bit more about Milk and More itself, um, which, like the name suggests, sells a lot more than just milk? Uh, what is it and where does it sit in the wider Muller business? Absolutely. So uh, the, the vision of Milk and More is to provide communities with uh, simple and convenient access to a sustainable way of shopping, especially for British artisan uh, products. So that's the, the, it's not only milk, it's like a convenience way of doing top-up shopping on a very fresh basis. And what we took, we took the elements of the traditional milkman and uh, tried to make them relevant for today's consumer. And one of these elements is, is the, the, the electric fleet. So uh, the milkman, since 50 years, they were driving electric floats. And uh, we have now the biggest electric fleet in the UK. We do more than 14 million electric miles. That's 550 times across the globe, only electric miles. So that's that's one part. Another part is the, the recyclable uh, packaging. So 79% of our packaging is fit for the circular economy, meaning recyclable, reusable, or compostable. I think that's another really big part. And of course, the glass bottles, uh, they they play a huge part in that. 77% of our milk that we sell is in glass bottles. Then we changed delivery times before seven o'clock because there was always a morning delivery, but now a lot of people have, uh, a lot of couples have, have, or families have, Double chops. So at, if, if you deliver at 10, uh, that's definitely too late. So we have a, com- a commitment to our customers is pre seven o'clock. 
um, we added a lot of artisan and, and, and unique products, products with a story. We have about 250 products at the moment. And um, we one element that, that really differentiates us versus versus let's say Tesco online or Card or some of those guys is we are we have a, a very fresh delivery three times a week so it's like it's it's not once a week your main shopping basket it's a top up shop three times a week and it's ultra fresh therefore so that's why our anchor products are you know milk or bread or vegetable stuff that you really uh, where freshness really counts and I think the last element that we took uh, that we loved is the being part of the community. And that's also part of the value perception. It's not just the product. It's also it's delivered in these iconic bottles. It's delivered by somebody that is part of the community. You know, if, if something goes wrong in the community, the milkman often calls the police, calls the ambulance service, is, is part, uh, knows the people. And I think that together made the proposition relevant for today's consumer. And if you look at the numbers, um, we gained in 19, uh, in 2019 about 75,000 new customers. And this year, of course, a bit helped with COVID, uh, about 100,000 year-to-date online customers. And uh, so we're a business that, that really attracts, and I think, uh, John, you said it, it's not it's really young people, it's families, it's, it's uh, um, you know, when you look at this experience data, it's BCG customers. So it's customers that want to do something for the environment, that want to you know, do something for their communities, but they also are willing to pay a little more for a, for a product with a story, for a product with, with a heritage, with special quality. So in a nutshell, that's Milk and More. Where does it sit in, in Müller? Uh, it's a bit of a unique business. So we're we're a retail business, so it's it's uh, separate. It also has a different owner structure. I think one of the reasons that I um, 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 uh, did uh, MMI, you mentioned that before. So two years, two and a half years ago, we had quite problems with MMI. So I um, made a deal with Mr. Muller that if I turn around uh, MMI, then I can buy into Milk and More, so it's, it's which is great, which is exactly what I wanted personally as well, because I really believe in that business. And so it's hit separately, and uh, but of course we are very aligned with you know uh, certain certain back office functions, but as a, the commercial unit sits very separately. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, can we just go back to life? Um, pre-COVID for a minute. I think, I think that's something we'd all like to do, to yes, be fair. Well. <laughs> How was um, Milk and More performing before COVID and what happened when the lockdown hit um, and as the lockdown began to, to really bite? Um, so Chris mentioned it already. It was not the most successful business in the last 40 years. It was really, uh, it was a business that has been managed down and uh, there were plans to close Hanvers, uh, the, the glass bottle, bottling factory, I think four years ago. And there were plans to close the whole thing pretty much this year. So how did it do in the last 40 years? Very badly. It went from, I don't know, 40, 50 percent market share to 2% market share, uh, 
in, in, in the UK, and it was supposed to close. Since about two years, when we had the new platform really based on online customers, based on this new proposition, this new vision that I was talking about, uh, we're we're seeing growth, and we're not only seeing growth in milk, so the the, 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 the glass milk is growing, but also the product sales. And uh, we see the products are growing. Before COVID, it was probably 200% per year. Now with uh, COVID, we're up 300%, so even more. Uh, but uh, I think COVID helped us. But fundamentally, the growth started with the new proposition. And it was already a proven proposition that people like. I think now we had a bit of, of, of tailwind. But I don't think that it's a short-term thing. I really think this is structural change. People buy more online. People are more want to be more connected with their community. People care more about the quality of the product. So local product play a bigger role. And COVID just uh, made that faster, uh, accelerated that trend. That's the bit I really like, actually, Patrick, because there's more to this than just uh, convenience and just hitting hitting the button in COVID, isn't it? It's it's a values approach, isn't it, that you said about, and what you said about the milkman actually going out there and being part of the community. I, I, I'm intrigued. How, how easy do you find it to actually get people to go and get up early in the morning and go into a milkman's job in London? Uh, you know, what, what, how easy is that actually? Uh, it used to be really, really difficult um, because if you're a declining company, uh, it's difficult to find people. Uh, now, in the current situation, we already had 9,000 applications this year. Uh, we hired already 200 new people uh, um, in during that situation. So now it's easier and easier. But I think it's it's one one paradigm that we have is we want to be uh, customer obsessed, and you can only be customer obsessed. If you're employee obsessed, because the end, the employees deliver the customer value. In the end, it's the milkman that then closes the garden gate or not, you know. And that's when you as a customer, when you go the extra, uh, you feel that the customer, the milkman goes the extra mile when the garden gate is is closed. When, uh, when you know, when it rains, when it snows, when it's, so when the milk is there. And I think, therefore, we really try to select great people with that customer uh, service mindset, but also we really have to look after these people to make sure that they can develop in our company, that they we give them all the tools to make sure that they, they are at their best when they're on their runs. So mm-hmm. for us, it's, it's getting more and more easy because now we have a, a reputation of being a, a good employer. And, uh, and uh, you could see really that people are so motivated also now in this, in this crisis to see something that they thought would die, to see that grow again. And they, they want to be part of that community. They love the interaction with their customers. They love to their jobs. So um, uh, for me, the key is really to have the right people and to select and motivate them uh, to, to in the end, deliver a great customer service. God, that's brilliant to hear that because I, I hadn't appreciated all of that going on behind the scenes. It sounds just like your husband, Becky. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing how many um, light bulbs he changes for little old ladies. And, and Patrick's hit the nail on the head with closing the garden gate. You know, that's the thing that really, you know, those little tiny notable little things that really matter to those sort of customers. Yeah. John, let's go back to the data itself. Uh, so Cantor suggests that a, a disproportionate number of younger families move to doorstep deliveries. Do you have any thoughts on what opportunities this change in mindset of this particular demographic presents, I suppose, for the wider industry? 
I think we heard the other week about how um, organic milk was going to be potentially a bastion to stop people moving towards plant based. And and I, and I realise Milk and More does have a plant based offer. But I do think that actually the great thing about what we're seeing here is that with that younger demographic of people who are concerned about the environment, and you know maybe they'd start to think about moving to plant-based doing various things like that then what we're demonstrating here is that for those families who want to consume healthy milk for their families for their children then there's a great offer here and actually you know, you're creating such value i i, I just think it's a win-win and uh, it's a demographic we realize not all families are going to be able to afford to have this yeah, I, I do realise. But it's people prioritising. I mean, Becky's always said this, isn't it? That actually some people, if you want to and you want to spend a bit more on your doorstep delivery and you want to have fresh milk for your family. Well, OK, it's your choice and wonderful that you can actually extract that out of the public. Maybe it, well, it means one less weekend away, one less, uh, you know, expensive meal. But what, what a choice for consumers to have. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Patrick, obviously, your customers are buying more than just milk through your site. Um, and I'm interested in, in this chicken versus egg situation, really. Are they coming to you because of the milk and because of because of the traditional values behind it? Um, or are they more attracted by this wider selection and then buying milk because of that? Um, I think you need an anchor product because you need an anchor product to justify this this regular delivery. So something that you you consume regularly and that has to be very fresh can be dairy. Dairy is definitely the, the majority of our customers, uh, but it can also be bread or fruit and veg. So these are probably the three anchor products that you want on a regular basis. And then you say, OK, the milkman is coming anyway. Now I buy, uh, you know, I choose the the. The, the portfolio that, of the portfolio that we that we offer, but I think it's important to have these anchor products. Now to come back to what John said, I couldn't agree more. I think it's it's really a deliberate choice to say I spend a little more on milk uh, and maybe a little less on I don't know beer. And if you look at our organic offering, the the fastest growing product that we have is organic milk. So we have already 25% of our overall milk is organic which is huge, you know, a couple of years ago it was uh, very, very low. So I think I fully agreed to, to what Sean said. It, it's a deliberate choice and they don't see that it is too expensive. They see the value um, versus the price and they know that we have to collect the bottle again, clean the bottle, disinfect the bottle, refill it. They know that. They know it's more expensive, but very, very seldom we get a customer reaction and say, hey, it's just too expensive. Uh, they normally say the price value is good because the, the delivery itself is free and all the other options that you can have for a free delivery on top of that on a very regular basis, three times a week, that's as a concept, that's a good value, price for value. Amongst your wide product range, you offer a number of milk alternatives. Um, how does that sit alongside the brand of a business that was built on dairy? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm a firm believer that you have to follow. You have. We are a service provider as a company. There is a consumer need and we are the provider of that. We are the, the you know, we come up with solutions how these consumers can fill that need. But you cannot dictate the consumer what they need and what they don't need. So if the consumer wants to have dairy alternative, 
it's up to us to say, okay, we give you the best proposition in recyclable glass, in with it kind of a local um, um, ingredient. So instead of, of uh, 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 some nuts that, that uh, are produced in California and there's a huge drought there, uh, we have local ingredients. So we are then, it's our uh, duty to come up with good propositions, but the consumer decides what he or she wants. So we are actually quite agnostic whether it's dairy or whether it's dairy alternatives, as long as we can really give something to the consumer that adds value. Yeah, that's actually interesting because on a, on a similar basis, um, you're providing that that broader range of choice when it comes to packaging as well. Um, so yeah. glass seems to feature first on your site when you go through the ordering process, um, but uh, but 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 you've also um, got got plastic as well, and there's carton forms as well. Do people choose glass more for environmental recycling, less plastic reasons, or is it is it that feeling that it's more traditional um, if you're getting your milk from a milkman, or, or is it a combination of all that? I think it's a combination. I think 77% of all our consumers are now using glass, uh, which is fantastic. I think the number one reason is after David Attenborough, they don't want to have plastic in the ocean. They want to do their part to make sure that uh, uh, that it doesn't land in the ocean in the end. And with glass, you can argue that's definitely the case. We use our glass 25 times. So that is really a sustainable kind of way. I think that's a number one reason. Number two reason is probably the taste. A lot of people say it tastes different. It tastes uh, very fresh and the reality is that within one day, it comes from the farm to the door. That is extremely fast. Um, so it is really a, a very fresh proposition. And I think the last element of it is the tradition. Um, it's iconic, you know. It's it's uh, People like to pay a little more for a mini car versus a Nissan Micra because it's an iconic car. And that's the same, you know, the, the glass bottle, the Coca-Cola glass bottle also is more expensive, but people like it. And I think these three elements together actually make the, the glass bottle so attractive for our consumers. There's, 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 a, there's a lot in the power of nostalgia with that as well, isn't it? Yes. Nostalgia is a very powerful emotion, isn't it? So that, that makes total sense to me. Absolutely. And it's also really nice to, you know, the, the, the mothers that buy milk at the moment, uh, they want to give these traditions that they got from their uh, mm. parents to, yeah. the, to, the, to their children as well. So it's really, mm. it's this kind of, you link generations and it's the same bottle. It's delivered in a different way. You know, it's all online now, but it's, it's, it's this element of tradition. And especially mm. Brits love that. And, um, <laughs> and uh, yes, it's, 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 it's an important factor to, uh, to sell um, these glass bottles. Yeah. Uh, John, um, if more people are ordering milk online, is this an opportunity to reframe the way that people see milk so that so that it isn't that commodity that we that we talk about so often on these podcasts and and that there is a greater opportunity to add value? Well, you had Harry uh, on a few weeks ago about what do you actually sell? And mm. I, I think I think um, what what um, we've heard today, which is just a great story, is you're selling far, far more than milk, which is a great product anyway. But you're, you're wrapping it up in a service package, in a nostalgia package. You're selling a dream. I mean, those last comments about what people are buying into, I mean, they just 
epitomise what you've got to do. And I, I think I think the lessons, isn't it, for all of us in the dairy business is, yeah, we have to accept there is going to be commodities. I mean, that that exists. Can't get away from that. But but we've got to add more value, got to extract more value out of the market by selling more along the lines that we've heard today, which is actually selling other things other than just that white stuff. And uh, we've got to add far more value and and, and some of the emotions that we've heard today, they've, they've got to be the linkages to really take extract value out of consumers' pockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to, to, to echo what, what uh, John said. I think it's, it's, it's this, this adding value to a commodity product is absolutely crucial. And how do we do that? We have to reconnect the consumer with, with, with milk, with dairy, with how it's produced. You know, eating is an agricultural act. Eating is, is like people have to know how much work it goes into producing one liter of milk or, or fresh vegetable. It's not just going to one of the big retailers and, and taking it from the shelf. So much more. And I think that's one element. Tell the story. The other element is the, the joy of it, you know, like, like good food is, 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 is something that is, is, is joyful. And the element which is more and more important is the good conscience good conscience about I do the right thing for me, you know, health, you know, milk is, is a healthy thing. And also I do the right thing for my community, for the, for the environment. So people are much more willing to pay a little more for doing the right thing. And I think that as a, as a package adds value to, let's say, a commodity product. We have to explain what it is. We have to focus on the joy uh, factor, you know, like these bottles, that's a part of brings joy to the to the breakfast table. And we have to make sure that they have a good conscience by consuming the product and by, you know, the environmental uh, footprint. Fantastic. Well, I think that's a, a great place to leave it. So uh, that's all we have time for, though, unfortunately. But a big thank you to our guests today, Patrick Muller, John Allen and Chris Walkland. And I'm very glad I'm not at sea in Switzerland, but with you. <laughs> and I'm even I'm even glad you weren't on that Swiss boat that sunk. <laughs> Thank you very much. What a fantastic episode today. Thanks also to you for listening. Um, we'll have more dairy commentary for you from Kite Podcast Land next week. But for now, have a great weekend and it's goodbye from all of us here.